fact that we get to do church here on a, on a Sunday. I really do. And uh, I'm very grateful, as Phil's already said, for, for the many people who've committed themselves to this journey. One of the things that I love that we get to do, particularly uh, Phil and I and others, is that we get to plot out series, teaching series. That our heart is to just lay into the life of the church. And uh, we've got a series that we're going to be starting this evening that's going to run for, I guess, six or seven weeks due to the fact of Father's Day. And there's all kinds of things that we, we've got planned for that. And it's called The Blessed Life. And uh, it's a particular passion of ours because we do want to see people blessed. But I was reflecting on a few verses just as a way of introduction. And I wonder if you're just turning your Bibles to Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 11 through to 15. And this is what it says. And the familiar verses to some. It says here that so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So let me just recap for a moment. The, 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 the Bible is, is basically saying the writer of the Ephesians, Paul, who we've already, we've already heard about him tonight, was basically saying there are gifts that have been given to the church. Now let me tell you, every single one of us has a gift. Every single one of us. It's part, we just believe that. And every single one of us are useful and important and valuable. Do you believe that? But there are specific gifts, the Bible's clear, that God gives to the church. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And many people have got this wrong because what they've thought is that they were there to do the work. But we see clearly that their purpose, why they were given to the church as a gift, is that they will equip God's people for works of service. And then it talks about how they will build them up and how they will bring them to maturity. Basically, what he's basically saying here is the whole purpose of the gifts of Christ is to bring people to maturity so we begin to grow up. We begin to grow up in the things of God. I'm so glad that numbers of you have made the decision to not only do Sunday nights, but you've also been doing Sunday mornings, and some of you have even been doing Sunday afternoons. Because we're running something called Growth Track. Because the passion of Arena Church is that we'll see people grow. We want you to grow wherever you are, wherever you're, wherever you, you're presently positioned. We want you to move to the next step. That's all we want you to do. We want everybody to just grow. We want everybody to mature. We want everybody to grow up. And what is the purpose of this growing up? Well, I'll tell you what it is. We want you to live well. I know with my, our kids, we're just trying to do our best to bring our kids up. And the sole purpose, there'll be no more delight over our lives, is when our kids come to the point where they stand on their own two feet and they are living well. Would you agree, those who've got older children? You just love it when they're just living well. They're doing well. And that is the whole point of what we want to do with this series. We want to bring you to the point where you understand where you are growing, and you come to the point where you are living well. Psalm 90 verse 12 in a contemporary version says this, Oh, teach us how to live wisely and well. We want to teach you tonight how to live wisely and well. If I ask you tonight, who would like to live a blessed life? Just give me a wave. 
you'd like to live a... No, I want you to keep your hand. If you'd like to live a blessed life. I don't believe there's anybody in this room who wouldn't say, you know, I don't want to live a blessed life. We want to teach you how to live a blessed life. And let me tell you, over this next six or seven weeks, it isn't all going to be like glittering with gold and, you know, we're skipping down the, you know, oh, isn't Jesus wonderful? And, you know, because I don't live that kind of Christianity. I really don't. The Christianity that I know is when I face trials, we've sung it, when I chose to face storms, I know that he's with me. I know that he's with me. I know that he goes before me. I have a confidence that God is with me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And there are moments and there are seasons of amazing blessing, but there's also seasons of challenges. That's the Christian life. And if I can say, that is life. So it's not a blessed life so we can guarantee you giving you the magic numbers to go and win the lottery. Sorry, guys. You know, so you know, have three steps, how to, you know, uh, build a better career or how to maximize your earning potential. Or it's, Listen, it's not that kind of life that we're looking at. We're talking, we want to teach you how to live a blessed life. We want to teach you how to live life well. God promises something. I'll, I'll, I'll just conclude with this in this part. In number, Numbers in chapter 6, verse 24, we, we often, you know, use these verses. And, you know, I've been in more traditional churches and they, they'll, they'll say these and, and whatever. But I, I think we need to understand the power of these words. Because this is what they, the, the priests were asked to bless the people with these words. Often I'll finish services, you've heard me, with these words. To just bless you. And as I read them, I'm blessing you and I'm going to do that now. Because in number 6 verse 24 it says this. The Lord bless you. Do you receive that tonight? Do you receive it in Jesus' name? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Those four words, the Lord bless you. You. I want you to know tonight, the Lord wants to bless you. The Lord wants to increase you. The Lord wants to do something amazing in your life. And if I can say, when I was just sat in that corner, I was just in awe, just for a moment, when nobody was around me, I was just in awe of all that God had led us into. I looked at the building. I looked at people playing snooker and different things that were happening, people talking. And I just began to say, God, you are amazing. You have done amazing things. It's not where I want it to be, but God, you've done amazing things. Truly, you are blessing us. We are blessed people tonight. If you're in this place, you are blessed. And God wants to bless your life. But there are some things we need to enter into. And tonight, we're going to be talking about, it's all about the heart. Where is it? Is it that side? Yeah, I thought I've got it right. See. I'll do that. Just make sure you... Some of you look like you're not breathing. Okay, I don't want any corpses here tonight, okay. (laughs) It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Now, there's a book called The Blessed Life, and this is where this series came from. And over the next six or seven weeks, we're going to be taking a few outlines and just working our own notes through, Phil and I, just to really lay in this series. But tonight... There are videos that are associated with this series, and I took the staff through probably 18 months ago now, and we was impacted by it. 
And I just, we just knew, Phil and I knew within the purposes of God, this was going to be a good series to go through. And I watched the videos. So I don't want you thinking like, because in a moment we're going to see a video for about 20 minutes. It's not because I didn't have enough prep time. I did. I really did. I know the verses. I've worked them through. They're in here. So I couldn't teach them through. But as I was there, I thought to myself, he is so good. Why do I need to better it? I just need to let the people hear it this evening. I need you to be blessed by this material. I need you to see the heart of this man. And this guy, Pastor Robert Morris, pastors a great church in Texas. Texas, y'all. Okay. Sorry for the bad American accent. Okay. And he's one of the good guys. He really is one of the good guys building a great church. Wrote this book and just taught his church and taught his staff and teaches wherever he can Christians how to live. A blessed life. And he begins by talking about it's all about the heart. It's just for 20 minutes. I want you to listen to the, to the video. And at the end, I'm going to give people an opportunity to respond to salvation because you'll see how it all connects. It's very powerful at the end. Particularly if you're from a broken background. You've done a lot of things wrong. I want you to listen to this man who looks really sharp in a nice suit. It's very cultured. But in his past, it was very broken. And God has completely redeemed him because he's a redeeming God friend he's a redeeming God so I wonder if we'd run the video take your notes and if I can say participate so when he asks us to you know shout out you shout out and you'll get into the spirit of it is that okay God bless you Okay, now I want us to commit to short-term memory, the first phrase and the last phrase. And I'd like for you to just say it after me. Judge not and you will not be judged. Great, this is all the campuses and all the churches by simulcast, all right? And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Say that. Now flip over to Luke 6, okay? Now let's say them one more time. Judge not and you will not be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, look at the first sentence of verse 37, Luke 6, 37. Judge not and you will not be judged. No, you don't have to say it. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, though. Okay. Uh, and then look at the last sentence of verse 38. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I want you to understand this is the parallel passage, but I want to show you a verse in the middle that, in my opinion, many times the context is not understood. Okay, so Luke 6, 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now look at verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom for, with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, let me just make a statement, and this might shock you. 
The word money does not appear in those verses. And yet most of the time when we hear Luke 6.38, we think about money. As a matter of fact, when we think about the word give, we think money. I was being interviewed by a magazine a while back, and they, they said, how often do you preach on giving? And I said, every week. They said, you preach on giving every week? And I said, yes. I think what you meant to ask me was how often do I preach on giving money? And that's about every three years. Every three years, I do a series on stewardship and generosity. But you didn't ask me how often to preach on giving money. You asked me how often to preach on giving. I can't preach on grace and not talk about giving because God so loved the world, he I can't preach on marriage and not preach on giving because a marriage will not work if you're not givers, if both people aren't givers. And again, not finances, not giving. Get, you understand what I'm saying? This, this applies to every area of our life. That's what we have to understand. Giving is about the heart. Here's the title of the message. I should have given it to you earlier, but the title is, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Some people say, well, you know, they're after my money. Let me explain something to you. Yes, God is after your, not the church. God is after your money because he's after your heart. And your heart is connected to your wallet. I, I guarantee you, I've seen it. There's a string from your heart to your wallet because I've watched people when they start to reach back. Oh, it just, it hurts. If God can get your wallet, listen to me, he can get your heart. And I'm not the one that said it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. You put your treasure in a stock, you put some money in a stock, you'll start going on the internet checking to see how that stock's doing. And you never checked it before. And you never cared about it before. But you care about it now because your treasure's there. Are you following me? You want your treasure in the kingdom? You, put, you want your heart in the kingdom? You put your treasure in the kingdom. Okay, so it's a heart issue. Because he's talking in these verses about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Don't condemn or you'll be condemned. Don't, and then he says forgive and you'll be forgiven. And then he says give. Okay, what's he saying though? Give judgment and judgment will be given back to you. And here's the part I don't hear a lot of preaching on. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Will men give judgment back to you? For with the same measure you give judgment, you'll get judgment back. That's the context of these verses. Judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Now, you can apply it to other areas because of the laws of sowing and reaping. If you give a seed, you don't just get back one seed. You get back a tree or a plant with many seeds. And that's the way God is. So whatever you give, you're going to get more back. So it'd be better to give good things than bad things because you're going to get more of it back, whatever it is. I was counseling with a lady one time and she was a single mother and she didn't have anywhere to leave her kids. And so she brought her kids and we just let them. I said, please come anyway. And she just left them with the, the, uh, my assistant. We left the door open there. And uh, I was talking to her, and here's literally, this is what she said. She said, my, my kids yell at me. She said, they yell at me. I, I don't know why. And then she did this. Y'all stop talking out there. 
I don't know why they yell at me. I said, Luke 6:38. give yelling and yelling will be given back to you. Good measure, Preston. Okay, all right. Now, if you can flip Deuteronomy 15, how, how are you going to develop a heart of generosity? Well, way back Deuteronomy 15, God tells us what we need to do, four things we need to do because it's all about the heart, all right? So Deuteronomy 15, look at verses 7 and 8. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you. Notice God's giving you the land, by the way. Notice the word giving. You shall not harden your heart. It's about your heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, that would be about your heart, lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Okay, so there are four things that we need to do if we're going to become generous givers. Here's number one. Deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. Look at verse 9. Deuteronomy 15 verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Notice heart again. Saying the seventh year of the year releases a hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it become sin among you. Notice selfishness is wickedness in God's eyes and it becomes sin. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying, um, now when your brother comes and asks to, to borrow from you, uh, you, you, you open your hand and willingly lend to him. You, you, you open your heart to him. But don't let there be this wicked or selfish thought in you that says, man, this is the, the year of Jubilee. That means all debts will be canceled. In other words, if he came and said, hey, I need to borrow some money. My crops were bad this year. And, and you thought, you know what? Six more months is the year of Jubilee. If he can't pay me back in six months, then, then uh, I have to cancel this debt. See, God implemented an economic system where all debts were canceled every seven years years. How many of you would like to re-implement that economic system? Okay. So if you thought, you know, I'm not going to do this because he might not be able to pay me back. You know what God said? Don't do that. Don't think that way. And here's what he called it. He calls selfishness wickedness. He's dealing, he's telling the people of Israel, this, I don't want you to do this. I want you to be generous like I'm generous. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. I asked a Bible college class this one time. Um, why did God create giving? You ever thought about that? Because God did. It's, it's, it's all through God's word. So why did God invent or create giving? And the overwhelming answer was to support his work. And I said to them, and I want you to think about this. I said to these, these college students, I said, do you really think I want you to think about this, because <laughs> it's funny to me. Do you really think that God needs your money to support his work? I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, it, is the light bill, you know, in heaven, uh, you know, too big for God? They running out of gold for the streets? I mean cattle on a thousand hill he's running out of cow i mean you know what god needs you no listen god did not create giving for his sake he created giving for your sake 
giving more than any other activity that a believer does works selfishness and greed out of our lives. This is why I don't like much of the preaching I hear on giving because it's give to get. Giving you'll get, giving you'll get. And let me tell you what that does. It actually works selfishness and greed back in your life. And what do you, how do you think God feels? When, when, when a preacher preaches, giving you'll get, giving you'll get, and people say, well, I want to get. So I'm going to give. I wonder if God is thinking, well, this is great. All of my people are catching the revelation of getting. I do want to say um, it drives selfishness out of our lives. We have to deal with a selfish heart. I do want to just say just for a moment, ladies, that there's an area of selfishness that men never grow out of. I just want you to know, okay? We do not want to share our food. And for some reason, you want our food. And I don't, I don't understand it. And we do not want to share our food. The very first time, Pastor Tom and Jan Lane sitting on the front row, Jan said, I knew you were going to say this, sitting right there. The very first time I went to dinner with them, I, we were going around the table ordering. I ordered, and Jan said, oh, good, I've been wanting to try that. I I never even met the woman, and she wanted to eat off my plate. And I said, well, you better order some, because that's the only way you're going to get any. Think about it. Come on. What does every woman say when you're at the drive-thru? What does every woman say? You say, would you like something? No, I'll just have some of yours. No, you won't. I'll buy you two orders of fries, but you're not getting any of my fries. And the fries that fall in the bottom of the bag are mine too. So point number one is deal with a selfish heart. I don't know if that's directed just to the men or to all of us, all right? Here's number two, deal with a grieving heart. Grieving heart. Now, he's talking about money. He's talking about giving. Verse 10, you shall surely give to him, give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, watch, for this thing, giving with the right heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. That's amazing. And in all to which you put your hand. If you learn to give from the heart with the right heart, God will bless you in everything you do. That's what he just said. See, we, under, we need to understand this is a heart issue, but selfishness attacks us before we give and grief attacks us after we give. You ever given uh, a large amount or made a commitment and then something breaks and the enemy comes immediately and says, see, you shouldn't have done that. He comes in and, then, and grief because we, we gave. Now, you know, I'm sitting here. Here I am preaching this message and I had this thought just, go through my mind. And after 30 years of preaching, I ought to know to just let the thought go on by. But here's the thought I had. I just thought to myself, I, I'm going out to eat after the service and, and I, don't, I don't have any cash. I just had that thought just go through my mind. You know, I'm just, oh, wow. wow, look, a hundred dollars. Okay. I'm going to start saying those thoughts more often. Um, 
Okay, no, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, all right? Why, when I said I, I don't have any cash, why did David get up that fast and give it to me? Let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> it's my $100. Okay, now, he's not grieving that he gave. You're not grieving. Oh, you are a little? <laughs> no, he's not grieving because, why? Because it was mine. See, see, the reason that we grieve after we give is because we thought it was ours. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when we give back to God what is already his, then we don't grieve over it. So deal with a grieving heart. Here's number three. Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Look at verse 14. You shall supply him liberally, generously from your flock. Watch from your threshing floor and from your wine press. Now watch this. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. God wants us to be generous. We were born selfish. We are born again generous. We just have to renew our minds. You think about it. You really want to be generous. Now, we, we read Luke 6 a moment ago. If we were to go back and read the context again and back up a little more, and we're not going to do that right now, but you can do that. You go back to around verse 30. Here's what it says. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes your coat, give him this too. And it's just uh, the whole context is lend to people, even hoping not to receive anything in return. What he's doing is dealing with the heart. It's the, it's the first thing we have to try to teach our children. I want you to think about that. What do you have to try to teach your children that is so hard to teach your children? Share. Share. No, we share. And what happens? A little neighbor boy comes over to play, and the neighbor boy picks up a toy. What does your boy do? Drops the toy he's playing with, runs over and says, I was playing with that. I was playing with that. Right? And the neighbor boy says, okay, so he goes over and picks up something else. Your boy runs over. I was playing with that too. I was playing with that too. Do you realize what God is saying to all of his children? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to become like your father? That's so loved that he gave. You know, I heard a story of my... Uh, Son Josh and daughter-in-law Hannah told me a while back, they have two children, Grady, who's seven, and Willow, who's four. And they got in the car, Hannah picked them up from church, and Willow said, Mommy, did you know that there was a woman in the Bible that only had two pennies, and she gave both of them to God? And Hannah said, yeah, that's, that's a wonderful story. And Willow said, I want to give something to God. So Hannah said, well, pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to give. And so you could see her. She closed her eyes. Hannah was watching her in the mirror. You know, she closed her eyes. She did like this. And then she said, what? (laughs) And then she said, little baby? No, not little baby. Oh, Betty baby. Oh, yeah, you can have Betty, baby. I don't like her. 
Okay, that's cute. That's kids learning about giving. But at some point, you got to grow up. some point, you say, Lord, what do you want me to give? And you say, that's great. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. So we want to develop a generous heart. Here's number four. Develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Back in Deuteronomy 15, look at verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Then he says this. Therefore, I command you this thing today. You know what he's saying? I command you to be generous. I'm commanding you. And you know on the authority that I'm commanding you is that everything you have came from me. You need to remind yourself every now and then that you were slaves. You know, every now and then I get a reminder. I leaned over to John and to David right before I came up and told him, because it happened to me yesterday. It was hard going to sleep last night. I knew the enemy was trying to attack me too because this series was beginning. But Debbie got an email from a friend of ours we went to high school with, and she said, you know, love the first conference, watched on the Internet, all this, but hate to bring bad news, but we've lost two more of our class members. She named two guys, both guys I did drugs with. One of the guys I started on drugs and she, one of the guys died from a drug overdose, and another guy committed suicide. I'm lying there last night thinking, thank you, God, for redeeming my life out of that, for redeeming me from that type of a lifestyle. These guys now, 35 years since high school, And still, what a horrible life they must have had for 35 years. Thank you, God. You know, the Lord just reminds me, it's not hard for me to give. You understand? I didn't have anything. I was a slave. You you didn't have anything either. No matter what you had, you didn't have anything if you didn't have Christ. A while back, a pastor and his wife uh, had heard me share our testimony on giving. And in this series, I'll share our testimony on giving. And by God's grace, Debbie and I have been able to give like many cars to people. We were able to give our first home away. Uh, We've just been able to give very extravagantly. And we love to do that. And I shared that testimony in the church and we went to dinner with this pastor and his wife. And the wife said to Debbie, I have a question for you. And, And both of us knew the question because we've heard it many times. She said, how did you feel when your husband said he wanted to give away your house. And Debbie said, I felt great. I felt great. She said, you have to remember that Robert and I were married before he got saved. And every time he's wanted to give something extravagantly, I think, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my new husband. And then the pastor asked her a question she'd never been asked. He said, why do you think that Robert is so generous? And I'm I'm not trying to set myself up as an example. I know many, many people are very generous. But he said, why do you think that 
I mean, he just has given so extravagantly retirement, savings, all these things over the years. Why do you think he's so generous? And a tear came down her cheek and she said, because he's never gotten over getting saved. He's never forgot where he came from. And he knows that everything we have came from the Lord. I wonder if we'd just bow our heads for a moment. We've nearly finished. But I don't believe the Lord's finished. Just in these closing minutes that we have. Maybe you like you like what we've just heard from Pastor Robert Morris. It may be that you add much and yet the reality is you've no you know you've got very little. Or it may be that you were like him who came from a very broken, dysfunctional sort of context and got into a cycle of behavior that was very destructive. But I just want to say to you tonight, God loves you. That Bible verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave Jesus for you because he wants you to know what it is to live at peace and in relationship with your father, God the Father again. Maybe that you feel like you the Bible uses words like you feel like you're in the mud and the mire, you're in a pit. I know I'm speaking to some people tonight. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. I'm not talking about going to church. You might have been to church for many, many years. I'm talking about a living relationship with Jesus Christ. tonight you may say Christian I want this I want to live in relationship with Jesus Christ I want to come out of my lifestyle I want to know what it is to live free I want to know what it is to live like these other people in this room who have a joy that I don't have I want to say you can receive it tonight you can receive it simply by praying this prayer sincerely from your heart I'm going to pray this prayer and I just want you to quietly in your heart just pray it But I tell you, if you'll pray it sincerely and you'll mean it, I want to tell you, God's going to meet with you tonight. And you're going to know everything's different. And everything will be different. So dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. I ask that you would come into my life. And that you would change me. I ask that you'd remove the old ways of my life you'd renew my mind you'd remove my sins from me you'd blot out my transgressions where my sins are like scarlet red may you make them white as snow cleanse me clean me up on the inside give me a brand new start I accept you as my Lord 
and as my Savior. I believe in you. And I confess now you as my Savior and as my Lord. I get a real sense that some people who prayed that sincerely from your heart. And just while every eye is closed, and my eyes are closed at the moment, but in a moment I'm going to open them. But I want you to remain just eyes closed and just respect the privacy and respect the moment. God is here. If you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart and you've said, Jesus, I want to follow you, then I wonder if you just raise your hand where you are now. Just raise it high. If you prayed that prayer tonight, just raise your hand where you are. Thank you. Anybody else tonight? Father, we thank you that you are at work in people's lives. You're in the business of changing lives. Change these hearts and lives that have responded to you tonight. Lord, in this area of our hearts, we can so easily keep back. We can live selfishly. But we want to develop a generous and grateful heart and I just simply pray that over these next few weeks here in Mansfield that we'd all turn up and would receive the ministry of your word and it would build something into our lives and it would enable us to live a blessed life in all areas of our lives. We ask this, Jesus, for the praise and glory of your name. And you love us so much that you're wanting us to get a hold of this material. That's why you wanted to share with it here in this church, because you love us. It's a message for us at this time. May we receive it gladly in our hearts. In Jesus' name. I wonder if we'd stand to our feet. We're going to sing this song that we...